Hey, you busy? Mm-mm. Okay, let me run something past you real quick. I am absolutely loving this season. <laughs> this season that I am in. Let me explain something to you. You ever ate something that was like super delicious and if you anything like me, you felt compelled to be like, yo, what's the recipe? Like, what is in this? And can I duplicate this at home so that I can have this at my disposal at any given time that I crave this? Like, what are the ingredients? What do I have to go to the store and, and, and get? Is it a cast iron skillet? It, what is, I want to be able to reproduce this at any given time in my life. That is exactly what I'm feeling in this particular season. I have had to stop and do a 180, okay, and then do a 180 again so that I can capture the essence of what is happening to me internally, what is happening externally, because I understand that things do not happen by coincidence. Things are not just happenstance. There is a coordination of Eureka, you found it. And I am like, let me get my spiritual pen and pad and write down what is happening. And I am literally writing faster. The experiences are coming at a, at a pace that's just like, yo, I pray that I'm able to document all this. I, I'm, I'm doing it on my YouTube channel, Created to Multiply, but I'm literally trying to grasp at it as fast as I can because I don't want to be selfish with this feeling. I don't want to be selfish with this experience. I want everybody to experience this and not just in a season. I want everyone to experience this as a lifestyle. Oh my goodness. This has got to be at least a portion of the abundance that Jesus said that he died for us to have. This has got to be the, the land of milk and honey, at least on the way to like, it's a different kind of air. I can feel the elevation and the altitude and latitude doing something different. The flowers are blossoming a little bit differently. The sky is skying and looking a little bit more like, like I am in awe of what God is doing through me and to my life that I am just like, yo, tell me what it is that I am doing, that I have discovered, that you have downloaded in me so that I can just live in this state. I don't want it to be a season, God. I want it to be a lifetime. And if God does anything similar to you that the way he does it to me, he will give me my answer through various ways because I make sure that, God, you don't have to just speak to me when I'm praying. I want you, I'm, I have a lifestyle that literally says neon lights on <laughs> for the Lord at all times. You can speak to me at any time. It's never inconvenient because you are always just there, God. You are a 24-7-7-7 God. So the least that I can do is make it where I'm always hearing and always willing to hear when you want to speak. So I felt super uh, convicted. And super like, mm, God, that was for me. When I heard this particular sermon, I never heard of him, but God bless him. Listen, God's going to get the word to you. He's going he to speak to you however he needs to speak to you. It will find you as long as you're looking. That's why the Bible says that uh, those who diligently seek him, find him. Because I'm, I, I'm making myself 
exposable. I'm making myself just like I'm here, God. And he's like, cool. Now you're giving me something to work with. Now you're giving me something that I can download. Now you're giving me. I'm like, oh, okay. And so I'm just making myself just, yes, Lord. That's all I'm doing. I'm just giving yes and amen. And he's like, cool. I, I got the coordinates. I know where to find you. Yeah, I know exactly where to put the burning bush. I know where you're going to be. I know exactly where to put the coin in the fish mouth. I know how to get Peter to it. So God is not a God that needs you to always be like, you who, where are you? No, as long as you are telling him I'm here, he's like, I know. And I know where to find you. As long as you're listening for me, as long as you're looking for me, you'll never not find me. And that's exactly what I've been experiencing. So I heard this sermon again by this pastor, never heard of him, but God bless him. He did the Lord's work on this day uh, called Chet Pete believe that is his name. And I came across this sermon because he was preaching for Elevation Church in lieu of uh, Pastor Steve Ferdinick. And I was like, okay, I am drawn to people. I don't care what your sphere of influence is. I am drawn naturally, innately to people who are authentic. So the moment that I feel like somebody's putting on the moment that I even smell the aroma of phony, you lost me. And, um, that, that should say something right there. There is something about you that is connected to someone else. And it doesn't require for you to look like, sound like, present like anyone else but you because it looks like phoniness and God already made you to be the person that you are. There is something about you, your unique way of doing something, your unique sound, your unique, whatever it is, God put a unique stamp on you that is customized. And it's not only for you to walk out, it's because there are people who are drawn to you. But if you are not seen in the earth, if your salt tastes like everyone else's salt, if your pepper is like everyone else's pepper, like God is trying to get you to be set apart because there are some people who are assigned to that. Imagine being assigned to someone else's anointing and you can't get what God is trying to get through you, through that person, because that person is trying to be a replica of someone else. You not only drown yourself and never feel content, never feel satisfied, but you leave a certain portion of God's sheep forever lost because they can't find you. And so now God has to raise up a Joshua. Now God has to depend on or co-partner with a Moses's brother. Aaron. Now God has to say, okay, Saul can't do it no more. Now I got to wait on David. And the one thing that sidebar God got my attention on is even though Joshua and Caleb, when they were with the Israelites, when they were like, we can do it, let's go ahead and take it. And God was like, listen, I can't do it with Moses though. Like the rest of those Israelites, the ones that didn't believe y'all for every day that y'all was spying, which was 40 days, we're going to go ahead and just make it where for 40 years you die off in this wilderness because you can't go. And the one thing that got my attention was God, why did Joshua and Caleb have to, um, wait for the die off? Like, why couldn't you have just held back the first group of Israelites and said, y'all got to stay behind, but Joshua, Caleb, go ahead. Y'all take everybody else and y'all go. That's how I visualize when you are not obedient with what God has for you. Other people have to suffer, even if it's in a waiting period. Like God has to get some stuff off of you. God has to work some things into you. God has to change your perspectives. God has to change your external environments. He has to do so much work and we need to really like, 
lean into that, hone into that, glean into what God is trying to do, because there is someone waiting for you to do it God's way so that they can be released. Do you understand that? So again, Chet Pete, he's preaching Elevation Church and he says something that literally got my attention. He said, when Joseph in the Bible, every time that he was promoted, he did not ask to be promoted. I said, bro, time out. (laughs) Wait a minute, sir. You are right. Joseph did not ask to be his father's favorite son. Joseph did not ask Potiphar, yo, you should go ahead and make me, you know, leadership over your whatever, because I do good in this area, blah, blah, blah. Potiphar just saw the excellence in him and was like, yo, I'm going to put you over everything because with you in charge, I don't have to worry about nothing but what to eat. And this is pretty dope. I ain't going to hold you. Like, I've been looking for some good help. It's hard to find help in these parts. Do you understand? And so he went ahead and made him then. And then when Potiphar's wife lied on him, I can't say a lot. I still can't say it. My grandma said I couldn't say that. So uh, when Potiphar's wife told a story, okay, I'm going to be 98 saying story because of the grandmother that I had. But anyway, he went ahead and had to go to jail, right? We beat that in the name of Jesus. And so then when he got to jail, he didn't have to say, hey, listen, I, I've been doing real good with like Potiphar's stuff and doing A, B, and C. Y'all should also put me. He didn't ask the wardens to put him over leadership and do all that again. Like everywhere that he went, the, he, God's favor was just there. God's favor was just on him. God's favor elevated him. He never had to interview. He never had to hustle and bustle. He didn't have to have the crab in a barrel mentality. He didn't have to prove himself. He didn't have to force and create any ways to be made like God already did it for him. And then God was saying, can I tell you something? I said, sure. He said, the reason why this season of your life is so awesome is because this is the first time that I can get you in a season where you're not forcing anything to happen. I said, sir, (laughs) what do you mean? He said, you always thought that you had to prove yourself. And, And I know that it has to do with the interviewing process that we have here on earth, but that doesn't, that shouldn't transfer over to every area of your life. You used to be in relationships, doing a jig, talking about, look what I can do. Look what I can do. And then you would feel some kind of way because people didn't see your value. The the person didn't see that you were, and I'm talking about a winner, no chicken dinner. You understand? Like people didn't see that in in relationships. They didn't really hone in and, and love on that in family situations. They didn't take that to another level and see the value in that in friendships. And then you got to jobs and you felt like you had to pitch the idea and you had to be the fastest and you had to be the best and you and so for the first time in your life you're realizing that there is a danger in being self-made because when I was forcing all of those doors to be opened when I was forcing and trying to create pathways to excellence in my next level when I was the author of all of that I also had to continue to write the story and make provisions for myself And if I know nothing else, I know how tiresome it is to be the author and Omega over your own life. 
That's where you get grind and hustle and, and the culture and you got to keep on your toes and you got to keep going and, you know, you, you, you sleep later and, you know, you got to get up at the whatever in the mornings and you don't get no sleep and you got to keep going. And it's, and th- it's because nothing is flowing and you're not ebbing and you are not just like just reclining in God and letting him be the way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper. my God, that is who you are. You understand? It's not just a song for a reason. Like when you literally have it where you're like, God, if I need something to eat, you'll let it rain manna. If I need something to drink, you'll bring it from a rock. If, if I need a way to be made, you'll, you'll split the red sea for me. Like there is nothing like the Bible says in Psalm 37, I have never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging for bread. Like you are the way maker. You, the Bible says that he knows what you need before you even ask for it. So my thing is I had to get the Eureka, like time out. Then why am I forcing things to happen as if I need to be my own safety net as if me going ahead and paving these ways is going to lead to my good. Like I know the perfect timing for that. For like, like I know all the coordinates to get to somewhere that's excellence. Like how dare I think that being self-made is not dangerous. I literally had to say to myself, God does not need your help. When you hover over something, it does not produce what God produced. When God hovered over something, he got the earth and the heavens above and the heavens beneath. And he filled it and he did a lot of different things. That's because his hovering doesn't come with an anxiety. That's because his hovering doesn't come with a, with a time frame and a due, due date. And like all these different things that produce a hurry up. And I, I got to, it's a lot of pressure on your back. It was no pressure. God was hovering because he just wanted to create something. You're hovering because if you don't make something happen, something falls, something fails, something slips through the cracks. That's a different kind of hovering, which equates to a different kind of pressure. And for the first time looking around, I said, oh my gosh, everything that is happening in my life feels better because I am not the author of it. The one thing that God told me was, If you sacrifice the path that you thought you wanted to be on, when you thought you was going to get there, how fast you were going to get there, A, B, and C, E, D, F, G. If you just sacrificed you, you will discover me. And when you discover me in your life, you will discover the plan that I have and have always had for your life. I was blown away With the fact that of like, yo, I have been working a plan my entire life. And Holy Spirit was like, finally, you get it. That's why you've been so tired. That's why you've been so weighed down. That's why you've been so frustrated. That's why you've been so irritated. That's why you've been so angry. That's why you've been so. And I was like, oh my gosh, if I didn't even realize if I'm doing something good, if I'm doing something that's going to do good for my family, if I'm doing something in good moral standard, then why is a byproduct, this irritation of all these other fruits of the spirit that is not the fruit of the spirit in Galatians 5, 22 and 23, like, why is it producing this if I'm doing something essentially good? And God was like, because you're producing it outside of me. 
Yeah, that's why your career's not going to the next level. That's why Buddy is not marrying you. That's why you can't find someone that you feel like I'm compatible enough to date. That's why you can't find the areas that you want to go ahead and live in. That's why you can't find, like you're doing all your due diligence. You're doing all your research. You're doing all the things. As a matter of fact, you're even copying the recipe of someone else who got the outcome that you want. And so you're like, cool, I'm just going to cut and paste what they got. And even that's not working for you. So when are you going to get it in your mind? When are you going to get the eureka moment that you cannot be self-made self-made is a center of danger because it does not center god in your plan in your life and he had to get this to me in a way that was like now time out god you know that i was not doing any of this on purpose he was like and i was completely clear on that but that's why i couldn't let you go another season thinking that your bright idea got you here that your way of planning got you here that your education got you here that the way that you budget money got you here that your networking got you here that your friendships your family line your e fill in the blank all the above got you here i can't let you go another step another season to make you be disillusioned in your life to think that you are the center as to why something is happening in your life. And I respected that. I said, I get it. Oh God, I get it. He was like, what I want you to do is I want you to go ahead and um, I want you to read about the young rich ruler. I said, cool. Mark 10, you know, I read from the NLT version. I'm going to start from where the Bible says the rich man. So verse 17, as Jesus was starting out on his way to Jerusalem, a man came running up to him, knelt down and asked, good teacher, what must I do to inherit internal life? 18, why do you call me good? Jesus asked, only God is truly good. 19. But to answer your question, pause, Jesus was petty (laughs) because you, you already knew you was about to read him, but continue 19. But to answer your question, you know, the commandments, you must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. You must not cheat anyone. Honor your father and mother. 20 teacher. The man replied. I've obeyed all these commandments since I was young. 21. Looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. There is still one thing you haven't done, he told him. Go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. 22. At this, the man's face fell. And he went away sad, for he had many possessions. 23. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom. 24. This amazed them. But Jesus said again, Dear children, it is very hard to enter the kingdom of God. In fact, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Mmm. 26 the disciples were astounded then who in the world can be saved they asked 27 Jesus looked at them intently and said humanly speaking it is impossible but not with God everything is possible with God 
28, then Peter began to speak up. We've given up everything to follow you, he said. And I want to pause there. Sir, oh my goodness. I could imagine for the first time ever I seen the young rich ruler or as this version says, the rich man, I seen him differently because I felt like up until that point, he felt like he lived a life that was morally sound. He, he did everything right. He, he got himself together. He got himself riches. Like the fact that he felt so good about all that he accomplished that he went up to Jesus. It says literally like, let's read 20, 17 again. As Jesus was staring or starting out on his way to Jerusalem, a man came running up to him and knelt down and said, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Sir, hold on, 19. But to answer your question, you know the commandments, you must not murder, you must not commit adultery, you must not steal, you must not testify falsely, you must not cheat anyone, honor your father and mother. 20. Here go. Come on, drop the mic, sir. Teacher. The man replied, I will obey all these commandments since I was young. Let me say something to you. There's a certain kind of posture, a certain kind of lifestyle, a certain kind of adjustment you need to have known that you lived. Not only to come up for Jesus. The Bible says, buddy was running up to Jesus like, sir, let me tell you all that I've done. I'm going to ask you a question just to prove that I have lived a life worth living, sir. So I'm going to go ahead and ask you, good teacher, because I know how to address you. Um, what must I do to, to inherit eternal life? And before he can even get to his question, Jesus is like, look, you, you, you so fixated on being good, on, on doing all the things right, on dotting your I's and crossing your T's that I can't even answer your question without first letting you know that you don't have to be formal with me. You don't have to be <clears throat> good teacher. Like you don't have to do all that. I'm not looking for you to look like anything. I'm looking for you to be you. So first thing that Jesus said is, why do you call me good? Yeah. Like, bro, who taught you that that was the way to do it? You're not even coming to me authentically. Like, bro, like, w w I don't understand. Only God is truly good. I know Jesus was looking at him like, come on, bro. Like, <laughs> you thought that that was going to get my attention. Like, huh, I've never heard anything like this in all of Israel. And Jesus was like, be you, sir. Be you. And as a matter of fact, don't be so you that you don't even realize you're not even doing it properly. Why do you call me good? Only God is truly good. But then he was like, let me stop being petty. But to answer your question, and then he runs down the list of things. And I know Buddy was just waiting for it. He knew he had the power up. Like, I'm going to let you finish, Jesus. He, and so he hit him again. Like, oh, okay. First time he spoke to Jesus, he said, good teacher, in verse 17. So then now Jesus was like, why do you call me good? You know how I know he's a rule-following, systematic, analytical grandbaby? Because when he went to go ahead and speak for the second time in verse 20, he just said, teacher, the man replied, time out. So when you first spoke to him, he said, good teacher. So Jesus got on you about the good part. So you were like, oh, that was wrong. But he didn't say nothing wrong about the teacher part. So let me just go ahead and call him teacher. Like he's so formulated. He's so analytical. He's so soldier like in his spirit and in his stance that he couldn't even relax. Like by that time, you should have just said, okay, Jesus. Like, you know, his name, 
<laughs> why didn't you, or why didn't you say rabbi? That's what they say then. But you're so stuck on, this is the way we do a thing. And I get it. I used to be that grandbaby. There's no other way to do it. Like that song is repetitive. That song keeps you in bondage. That song keeps you, no, when somebody does something that's outside of the norm, you're like, but it's not supposed to be that way. And then you try to get people to be in prison with you because this is the way we live a life. This is the way that we cook the same. This is the way that we do the job. And you don't like anything that leaves too much room for creative you don't like anything that leaves room for innovative you 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 kind of scorn against people who do it they way and you're like oh that's not the way to do it and it's like but listen if you just relaxed maybe you would experience more of god not more rules not more ways of doing the thing the only right way it's only one way to do something is there really no not really you can uh, only way you're you, the only one thing that is supposed to be done is the one way you're supposed to get to heaven right Believing in God that he was Jesus is Lord and Savior. Yeah, there's only that's the only one thing that truly matters. But outside of everything else, there's multiple ways to get to different outcomes. Multiple ways. But the fact is that people are so stuck on, especially this young ruler. It's like, bruh, good teacher. Why do you call me good? Oh, teacher. <laughs> it's like, what if he would have said, don't call me good, don't call me teacher. Then would you, he would have been stuck like... I'm fresh out, buddy, because he was so suited and so structured and so used to coloring inside the lines that by the time someone was able to show him, mm, but you don't have to color like that. He, he was, Jesus would have left him with nothing. So verse 20 teacher, the man replied, I've obeyed all these commandments since I was young. I've obeyed all these commandments since I was young. Well, hand clap of praise to you, young sir. You were able to say out of everyone else, I kept myself in self-control. I kept myself in, in perfect harmony. I led myself to go ahead and make great decisions. I have always made the right decisions. I have always chosen the right choices. I have always selected the correct friends. I didn't date anyone I wasn't supposed to date. I didn't do anything I wasn't supposed to be doing. And guess what? I, this is not something I just started. I need you to know, highlight it. Give me an extra gold star. I've been doing this since I was young. 21. Looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. There is still one thing you haven't done, he told him. Go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. I think the reason why the Bible illustrated that looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. I think that that was there because of the fact that it was like, you know what? He's really trying, but he's trying so hard. He's leaving no room for God. He's really, his intentions are pure, but he doesn't realize that if he's self-made, then he can't be spirit-led. He's really, really, really trying to make sure that he dots every I and crosses every T. But then he's not allowing himself to lay down and sacrifice his cross so that he can pick up the cross that Jesus has for him. He really, he's a good grandbaby, low-key, can't even hold you. But I know that when I ask him to sacrifice the life that he's created for himself, he's going to struggle. See, the danger in being self-made is that it kind of makes you a little bit selfish. 
that if God asks you to give it up, you're like, ooh, but I worked really hard for this career. No, God, you don't understand, like, the amount of time that I, I put in trying to find somebody to date. Like, <laughs> I just can't stop, like, now. Like, this is crazy. Like, no, God, you don't understand how hard I worked to put down this down payment. Like, no, 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 you don't understand. Like, I waited this many years to actually get my dream car. Like, no, God, you don't understand. And God is like, no, you don't understand. I sacrificed my only begotten son for you. I had to create a plan that was drenched in sacrifice because I wanted a relationship with you. And so if I'm asking you to sacrifice something that you have, are you telling me that it was more and that it's more valuable and that it's a higher weighting stance? Is what I'm asking you to sacrifice more of a sacrifice than me sacrificing my only begotten son? Like he has been here with me this entire time and I sacrificed him not for a moment for 33 years. Right. And I'm telling you to give up your plan that you put in motion 10 years ago. I'm asking you to give up the relationship that you've only had for however many, but like, I need you to understand when you're self-made, it's hard to sacrifice that to God. Because if God gave it to you, you can give it back to him. Like, oh, here you go. Look at Hannah. She was like, God, if you give me a baby, I'm going to make sure I'm going to keep him for a year. I'm going to wean him. He, he's, his hair is never going to be cut. And then I'll give him back to you. <laughs> I'm not going to hold you. I'll give him back to you. He'll be the prophet with, you know, Eli up there with the priesthood and all that. Like you can have him back. And God blessed her with Samuel. One of the nation's greatest prophets. And it was nothing for her to be a mother one time. This is the first son she had. For her to be like, God, if you give it to me, I will give it back to you. Abram was like, yo, you give me Isaac? Cool. Uh, would you say? You gave him to me, sir. I'm super old. I'm, I can't even play basketball with him no more. But you telling me to go ahead and sacrifice him? Cool. Isaac's like, sir, I see all the wood and stuff, but, like, where's the sacrifice? He's like, eh, it's going to be a ram in a bush somewhere. <laughs> it is what it is. Because there is a looseness if God gave it to you. Yeah, he can give you more. He can give you something better. He can give you something more equipped. Like, whatever it is, it's like, cool. But when you spent your lifehood, when you spent all your education, when you've accumulated and gotten all your resources together to make this one thing happen, and at the pinnacle of it, God is saying, now give it away. That's probably the um, litmus test to show then God didn't give that to you. Yeah, because uh, anything that God gives you has a pulse and it operates in the vein of you do understand that this tracker is uniquely magnetically connected to I belong to God. So while you may love it and you may adore it and you may flourish in it and eat all the above, when the tracker says it's now time for me to go back to God, for you to go ahead and go to the next level or whatever it may be, you have no problem being like, cool. <laughs> and it's nothing else to talk about. Like when you look at when the prophet Elijah went to go anoint Elisha 
Buddy was like, cool, let me just go back and like slaughter all the stuff that he had. And he literally, his business that he had, Elisha, he took an ax to it, the Bible said. And it's like, sir, I don't know how long you've been in business, but you literally made it where you ain't even rent it out. You was just like, so we're going to demolish the whole situation because I don't want to come back to something that God is no longer appointing me to. And that's real. But the only way for you to have done that is if you truly knew that this next anointing is God and you don't you don't want to fumble it. So kill all distractions and anything else that comes with that, because anything that looks like plan B looks like it is now competing with what God has anointed you for. I feel bad for the young ruler because then when Jesus told him what to do, the next verse in 22 says at this, the man's face fell. He went away sad for he had many possessions. Hmm. 2023. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard is it for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? 22. At this, the man's face fell, and he went away sad, for he had many possessions. This is where I really connected with the young rich ruler. I didn't realize until God told me, uh, leave your job. And the way that that made me feel, that I wasn't willing to sacrifice something that I feel like um, I established for myself. God, I'm trying to create a, a career. I'm trying to establish a 401k. I'm trying to, uh, I got it. And that's the first time that I really looked in the mirror and I said, you can't sacrifice it because you believe that you're self-made. Like you started to look at your life like God opens up the door, but I maximize the opportunity that God gives the resource, but I have to remain resourceful that God. And so it almost is like you are a trust fund baby that God supplied it, but you're the one that's managing and doing all the things. And while there is some truth in that, the litmus test to the fact that you can't really be used by God in the way that he wants you to be used is, is when he asks you, okay, now let's adjust and go that way. Yeah. It, it, it makes you stutter step. Like, wait a minute, God, I don't, why are you even having a conversation with, if God said to go left then go left, like, what are you talking about? If God, like, why, why, why are y'all even having a conversation? And that's what got my attention. I was like, young rich ruler, I get it. But he was like, man, I spent my whole life dotting the I's, crossing the T's, making sure I do all the things and making sure I'm keeping the commandments and making sure that I'm, I'm in good moral standing. I get it. I, I, I don't understand it. And the one thing that never crossed my mind, because God, I'll sacrifice everything for you, but the stuff that I sacrificed and, and, and got for myself, you can't have that. Like, I get it. I get it. And I also understand that that is probably why I am the most elated that I've ever been in my entire life. Because I have gotten to the place that if God said to do it, I'm just going to do it. That if God says to leave it, I'm just going to leave it. That if God says, mm, I know they offered you that much in a contract, but don't take it. I'm not taking it. Because I understand the danger of being self-made. I understand the danger of not having a life that is founded and centered on being spirit led. I don't want it. 
So my challenge to you is actually going to be the decoration that I made. We are not being strategy led. We are not being self-made driven. We are not doing anything that looks like you are in the driver's seat and you kind of do pit stops and talk to God about certain things and you keep going. No GPS on G-O-D, no fuel on Holy Spirit. Like you just are going and it's like, uh, that's kind of dangerous. You know how much can happen on a road, rebuking the name of Jesus of life that you actually need to make sure that you are in continual communication with God. This is not a one-stop shop and then you go ahead and go on from miles and states and years and like what are you doing you thought because that was what you were originated or anointed to do at one point that that's what you're going to do for the rest of your life like your life is so huge like you have no idea what God wants to do you have no idea what God has he released somebody else to, like you are somebody else's pr- plan or prayer rather answered prayer and you have no idea how God wants to coordinate that you have no idea so you cannot continue to go off of life off of one idea There is so much impacted in just one person's life that it's dangerous to continue to live the rest of your life with the word that you heard in Genesis. (laughs) So much has happened. So much is happening. You need an updated real-time word. Yeah, you you don't attack the enemy the same way you attacked it 10 years ago. There's certain things that God is like, okay, I want you to do it this way. Like, just look at David and some of the stuff that he was doing. I think I read in 2 Samuel, I believe it was 3 or 4, that he really was going to go ahead again and fight the Philistines again and was like, should I fight them? God was like, yep. And then a few verses down, he was like, should I fight them? He was like, yeah, but this time go around the back. I want you to go to the polar trees. I want you to go to the top. When you hear, it was like he gave him a brand new strategy in the same chapter for the same Philistines and didn't David kill Goliath who is also a Philistine so why does he need updated information why can't he just keep picking up five smooth stones and doing what he did because what happened there and what was success there is not going to carry you for the rest of your life that's why you need a living word that's why you need the Holy Spirit who is guiding you and comforting and leading all the way you cannot afford to live the rest of your life on a word that was spoken in Genesis There's 66 books of the Bible, okay? That means that there's a whole other parts of you that God is trying to get your attention in that you cannot afford to live the rest of your life on an old word. It is a danger and it is dangerous to be self-made. And I can honestly tell you on the other side of this, if I knew this earlier, I would have applied it sooner. I would not have wasted my time, wasted my strength, wasted my, my, my emotions, my E all the above. I would have just reclined in God's plan. I would have ebbed and flowed. I would have adjusted accordingly and whatever he wanted me to do, my final words would have been yes and amen. The end. When he was telling Noah what to do, there was no rebuttal. The next sentence the Bible says, and Noah did everything the Lord commanded. That's what I'm trying to be on. I'm not asking no clarifying questions. If I don't need it, I'm not asking no way, God, because like you sure, I'm not doing any of that. He says it, the next sentence of my life is going to look a lot like and the grandbaby did as she was commanded the period period do you understand that all right listen um i feel like you got what you needed sure do you know what these conversations are though right 
They are life-provoking conversations, conversations that not the average person is going to have with you, but who? Your favorite homegirl. Uh, I already told you from the beginning, uh, YouTube created the number two multiply. Also, that's the website too. Created to multiply.com. You got the Patreon, Strive, the letter N, Inspire, all the things. Listen, God ain't going to catch me slipping. <laughs> the grandbaby's going to do what the grandbaby was told to do. The end. Everything else is up to God. But I tell you what, this has been the the most fulfilling, the most content, the most everything I have ever been. And I'm so light because I'm being led different. Please come on this side of life. It's super dope. Super duper dope. The sun is better. The air is lighter. It's just dope. But I'm going to go ahead and let you let me go because you got websites and stuff to go to. But we'll talk later. All right. Later. <laughs>